tell. Uh, yeah, it's it opened like in October, so like what five six months ago something. Yeah, it's like yeah. brand spanking new, and we saw and all like we've been to like every single playground. That's why when I captioned, it, I was like, when we find there's a new playground, we freaking get in the car and go that day. Um, yeah. And all of the like best playgrounds in Pittsburgh articles that we started reading. <laughs> you know a year and a half ago or whatever like a we've been to all those and b they were pretty old so none of them yeah. had like hey there's a new park coming in squirrel hill and so yeah we like jetted there and yeah it is awesome i mean it's it was cool i know um whenever we were kids uh my sister and i would uh pretty much always go with like uh our grandparents uh our grandma and grandpa they're they're the ones who would always take us to the park we would go to like the one in our small little town, occasionally, not often, because it was it was that. It was very tiny. Mm-hmm. Um, but we would go to the one in Dubois more often because it was bigger. There was, like, a whole, like, sidewalk around, like, the park, which encompassed, like, baseball and a swimming pool and a skate park. There was everything there. Nice. Um, but once in a while, uh, we would go to this park in like a neighboring small city called Brockway and Tim they had <laughs> the little like sand excavator like oh to- yeah. like ride on like sand excavators i'm like these things were so cool that that was the thing like that that was the fun part but yeah. after a while all the sand was excavated around it <laughs> and no one ever filled it back in so there's yeah. just like a circle around this entire excavator. <laughs> and I'm like, this isn't fun anymore. <laughs> yeah, then we need to push it back. It had like a, the the entire like the radius of the little digging digging yes. implement. Like just it wouldn't you couldn't reach any more further out there. <laughs> exactly how far it would go. Yeah, I love the the two the like up lever, the up and down lever and the in and out lever. Yeah, those are awesome. Like I I can still appreciate a good playground as an yeah. adult yeah um I, I probably shouldn't since i don't have kids <laughs> <laughs> I, look, look it's it's not like i'm going to playgrounds okay right right <laughs> i and i'm not saying i want kids so that i can go to playgrounds but <laughs> i i have fond memories okay yeah yeah play there some of them are getting like super awesome we went to one in the north hills that uh is is like so it's like 45 minutes away from us but we had to happen to be up there anyway and so we were like oh let's check we're never going to be up here again so let's check this one out and yeah i mean just the structures like giant monoliths that kids can climb and like ropes and all sorts of you know like towers and slides and and this one had two zip lines what yeah oh my god yeah, one with like kind of you could like you could hold on to this thing and and sort of slide uh, like a rope with a platform on it, and then one that was like a, a a chair because that's the other thing. All playgrounds now are like all inclusive. So like the one we went to yesterday yeah. had a swing that a wheelchair can fit on. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember you know, like yeah. Whenever the playground at my elementary school got remodeled, they included one of those, and I was like, this is so cool. I love this. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know my kids got on it, and it's fun because they can both ride it, and it's kind of like a carnival type swing too. But like it's it's also you know super inclusive and and um, yeah, and so the 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 two zip lines, like one of them is you know like that, and then the other one is like a chair, like a a, a baby size chair or whatever that you could also slide like two zip lines. I was like, this is amazing. We never had zip lines when I was a kid. Like the most you could have is like that one like a one handle that you like kind of grip yeah. onto, and then it's on sort of. A, I mean that's okay, but. 
It's but it's know. on like a straight and level track, and like it <laughs> yeah. won't go anywhere else. And, exactly. And then like you end up not pushing yourself hard enough, and you just like get stuck somewhere in the middle. Yes, yeah, that's not a zip line to me. That's a I don't know a, a and it's like metal on metal, you know. So it, it loses viscous, it loses viscosity in like one day. <laughs> and so the first time a kid rides, like yay, and then after that, it's like not. It's like you're scraping metal against metal. Yeah. You're like this is you, you can just hear and feel the grinding. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like the, the the first time is a freshly WD forty'd, and like the the twentieth time is just. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right you're like i'm having fun this is fun i should start bringing wd-42 playgrounds oh, i don't think there's God. any law that, that says <laughs> i can't i don't think you could be more of a dad if you take your own wd-40 to a playground Jesus. i bet i would be so like all the other dads would be so jealous that they didn't think of that and that they didn't have their own like oh my gosh that's so smart uh, Okay, but you need to one-up it, and you need to get a custom leather belt holster for your <laughs> yeah. can of WD-40 with your yeah. initials on it. With, like, the, the the holster button, like, cops have on their, you know, yes, on their, so yes. that I can, like, click it open if I hear metal scraping against me. I'm like, whoa, 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 click, like, put, okay. Put, put your hand on your hip and just get it ready to go. Yeah, yeah, and just un, unclick the button. <laughs> yeah, God, I think uh, I could start a revolution. <laughs> all right should we get going <laughs> you might as well all right welcome to no hugging no learning it's a show about one thing watching seinfeld for the first time i'm tim murphy and i'm ted hollowell and today we will be talking about season eight episode five the package but before that we do want to know what's the deal with stuff from our last episode the little kicks i saw kramer eating directly out of a gallon of vanilla ice cream with a very recognizable label that i hadn't seen since the late 90s, and it was that green packaging of Healthy Choice. So I wanted to do a little dive on Healthy Choice, and they're owned by ConAgra Foods. And it came into being in 1989 is when it hits the market, but the guy that came up with the idea was CEO Charles Harper, who had a heart attack in 1985, and his doctor was like, you got to start eating better. And he came up with the idea of a line of healthier frozen foods. <laughs> and then Healthy Choice became a thing. You know, talk about a CEO earning his probably overly inflated salary you know oh yeah i mean oh, it, like yeah. it was that was revolutionary <laughs> i feel like ceos are not the idea guys but this guy came up with an idea it just uh talk about like one of the whitest things ever like <laughs> you have a heart attack and your first thing is well i need to still eat ice cream so <laughs> yeah, i'm going yeah. to invent healthy ice cream yeah, I still want to eat, you know, frozen pizza, so I just yeah. eat healthier frozen pizza. Yeah. You and know, I, I I could just actually eat healthier, but no, fuck that. Yeah, and I'm running a multi I'm running a worldwide trillion dollar business that makes food, so here we go. <laughs> I'm going to create a line just for my like just for my if everybody else likes it, that's fine. <laughs> but I really want this. Yeah, they made frozen dinners, side dishes, cold cuts, uh, canned soups. Ice cream, like we've seen, bread, pasta sauce, Man. even popcorn. Um, and I don't know if it ever really went away, but in April of 2009, ConAgra reintroduced Healthy Choices line of frozen meals with new products and new packaging, which may be why I thought it disappeared. I guess it had just become unpopular and was taking up less shelf space and stuff like that. And with the new packaging, I didn't notice when it reappeared, um, whenever it was, 12 years ago. 
This is really interesting to me, though. Listen to this. To promote the changes, Healthy Choice spent around $100 million on a multimedia ad campaign that included advertisements with actress Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Oh, my God. How weird is that? When was this? When was Uh, this? 2009. Jesus. Yeah. So the way Kramer was holding it was so... Like, like label to the front, perfectly visible. I'm like, that had to have been product <laughs> placement. But I don't know if that led to, you know, if that led to them like having a relationship with the Seinfeld producers and then calling Julia or whatever. I, I don't know. It led to a relationship and a, a ad partnership 13 years later. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, it is 13 years later. That's the only thing that makes me think it's not a, uh, it, not a coincidence or it is a coincidence. Yeah. You know? Um, and they, Jane Lynch was in them too, and they were directed by Christopher Guest. And the premise of the commercials is that Julia is not really sure whether she wants to endorse healthy, healthy choice. And I love the the chief creative officer of the ad uh, campaign said, "It's a meta thing." <laughs> oh my love. god! <laughs> it's a meta thing. You guys don't get meta yet in '09, <laughs> but y- your kids are gonna love it. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> I also wanted to know about the movie Extreme Measures because at the Twin Cinema where Jerry goes to see Cry Cry Again, the other movie playing is Extreme Measures and you can see, and I didn't remember any of the names. So there's a bunch of names that are kind of blurred out, but like you could tell one was Winona and then the last night name was blurred out. It's like, oh wow, how many actresses are named Winona uh, that were popular in the late 90s? Um, <laughs> and I didn't remember her being a part, uh, certainly not first build in Extreme Measures, but I was like, maybe I'm thinking of a different movie. So Extreme Measures is a 1996 American crime thriller film starring Hugh Grant, Gene Hackman, Sarah Jessica Parker, and David Morse. And I think the blurred cast is, in fact, the stars of a 1995 American drama called How to Make an American Quilt, because that had Winona Ryder, Anne Bancroft, Ellen Burstyn, another name I remember that was blurred out, and uh, a couple of other people. Uh, it was, it, hmm. That was also the first movie that Jared Leto was in, but not Wow, that was billed. his debut? Yeah, yeah the first huh. uh, the film debut of Jared Leto. And so I think it the was best the best Joker? Jeez. <laughs> we live in a society. Even back then, it all started in 95. So I think it was the cast of How to Make an American Quilt blurred out partially and then extreme measures for some reason placed under that. I have no idea why, but that's what it seemed to be to me. So I'm glad I did that little dive because uh, I wasn't sure it was going to be pr- fruitful. That was all of the uh, homework that we had w- for What's the Deal. But here's some more trivia and tidbits and stuff. The episode was written by Spike Ferriston. And the cold open was based on just Ferriston walking down the street and worrying about what dangers could befall him. And Elaine's Bad Dancing, this is crazy. Elaine's Bad Dancing was inspired by a former boss of Ferriston's who would dance with little kicks. And that boss, from what I could tell, is Lorne Michaels. No fucking way. (laughs) Ferriston started his career as a receptionist at SNL and said that at an SNL after party, he saw Michaels dance as if he'd never seen another human being dance before. And that he heaved and gyrated to a rhythm only he could feel. <laughs> I think that's, that's awesome. That's incredible. Oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> now I want to see. I, I don't know why right that second I didn't Google Lorne Michaels dancing, but I might have to do that on my own just to see if it exists somewhere. A video of him <laughs> dancing. <laughs> Though the script stipulated that Elaine's dance would include those little kicks. Julia Louis-Dreyfus had to develop the choreography herself. Initially, the production tr- crew tried playing music while filming her dancing, but she couldn't get out of sync with the beat, so they went with the more common practice of filming the scenes without music and then adding music in post. <laughs> uh, she, she was actually 
talented enough yeah. at <laughs> dancing that she couldn't be convincing in being a bad dancer. Yeah, I yeah. Love it's it. like I, I just can't. I, I, I would find that really difficult too. I think anybody with even a little bit of rhythm would go, "All right, I can't clap." Not on the beat, you know. I can't. That's move, like that's like know. someone complaining about having perfect pitch. I'm yeah. like, I'm, <laughs> do you want me to pity you for that? Yeah, I th- I feel like we were just talking about this recently on the podcast for some reason, but you know, it reminds me of this old style. I know I brought this up, like this old style singer who was singing "Take the A Train" and she was singing it exactly a half a step down, so it sounded flat through the whole thing, and like to stay off note that consistently for a whole song and not jump back on the pitch you know i was like that takes talent to stay a half step down while you're listening to the music a half step step up i don't know why that came up recently but i'm like that is like a super professional singer elaine's toast here's to those who wish us well and those who don't can go to hell that is actually what spike ferrison's grandmother would say before thanksgiving dinner every year (laughs) that's the toast his grandma would give good i love it yeah i like that uh, one of the fictional movie titles in the episode was Death Blow. As we know, that's the one that Jerry gets famous <laughs> for bootlegging. In a 1995, in 1995, an aspiring filmmaker took out a full-page ad in Variety seeking $100,000 investment in his screenplay called Death Blow. And Spike Ferrison liked the title so much, he decided to use it for this episode. But I guess I guess Death Blow itself never got made. That's another thing that I Aww. I didn't take the extra step to see. <laughs> Let me see. Let me just look up Death Blow IMDb. See if anybody ever made a movie called... Well, in 1987, so this was a long time ago, Death Blow, A Cry for Justice. Mm. Um, and That then, sounds like it would be a sequel. It does, but... Someone who got the death blow wrongly <laughs> got the death blow, so now they cry out for justice. Yeah, it uh, It looks like it was actually called... Wait, is it really not? It can't be. It says now streaming on HBO Max. I'm like, no, no way, that's just gotta be... Way. I was like, that's gotta be just an advertisement, but it looks really official. Uh, when a man dodges conviction after... Gee, raping multiple women his victims take justice into their own hands so i guess they give him the death blow uh, but then it's also known as war women against rape when it was released in west germany <laughs> oh boy okay i'm looking this up on just watch right now <laughs> what did you look for just death blow is that death blow uh some search for justice or whatever yeah that's death blow cry for justice now you might come across death blow from 2006 as well that was written and directed by Justin Herman and has two people in it. Oh, it was a short film. That was a short film from 2006. Um, I'm not finding anything. So there was a short in 2006. And then in 2015, I see another short film called Death Blow, written by Jeff LaChapelle and others and directed by Alex Martin. And it's only 30 minutes long. And only one of the people in it actually has an IMDb <laughs> A picture. Everyone else is just the blank avatar. The That's circle over good. half circle. Yeah, <laughs> you know it's going to be good. So there's only a couple short films called called Death Blow, as far as I can tell. Um, there is nothing on Just Watch. <laughs> so you can't watch War or no. Death Blow, A Cry for Justice, whichever one you want. No, there is there is nothing. Like there's uh, there's like Death Riders, uh, Pray for Death, Death Walks at Midnight, uh, Death for a Unicorn. <laughs> bunch of stuff no death, death blow a cry for justice i am not seeing death to smoochie yeah. but wow what a movie to forget existed yeah yeah it was just the first thing that popped in my head with all these death titles oh death at a funeral i know that's a i think that's like an artsy kind of thing people like but i seem to remember so i guess i gotta cancel my hbo max subscription because i subscribed <laughs> just to watch death blow a cry for justice just I'll, now uh, 
I'll give you the login of the downvoters account. It's okay. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, George's <laughs> exclamation, sweet fancy Moses, was added by Jeff Schaefer, while Jerry's line, that's why they get guns, too many misunderstandings, uh, was added by Jerry himself. And the idea of George ironing in p- his pants when Anna asks what he's doing, that was also Jerry's idea, I guess. What can George be doing at his house? And while George is ironing, evidently, or while George is ironing, sorry, supposedly you can see a little white hamster climbing through the hamster tube behind him. So I missed it, but oh even though God. I saw I saw all the tubes, but I didn't see any movement in them. But if you're tracking George's <laughs> hamsters, I guess there's a good shot of him there. Wow. All right. Yeah. And that's pretty much all I got. Okay. Uh, any other, like, newsworthy bits or anything? Uh, I meant to add this last week, but I forgot. Our friends at Erie Ale Works have once again canned their Seinfeld-inspired titled beer, Nexus of the Universe. It's an episode we haven't gotten to yet, uh, the reference. But, um, you know, they have, they've had like Seinfeld nights and the Seinfeld trivia that we've done and stuff way early in the days uh, was from them. So Nexus of the Universe is in, in cans once again at Erie Ale Works. I thought that was notable. Again, not a sponsor. Although not uh, a sponsor. If, if anyone from Erie Ale Works is listening, I know uh, sometimes <laughs> word travels. Uh, we would be happy to sponsor your product. Sure. Hit us up. And they did let us put our little business cards out when they had that Seinfeld night one time. So that was nice. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. I forgot. forgot that was that. nice of them. <laughs> uh, anything else? No, that's it. All right. If you have never listened to us before, we are not a research-heavy show, despite the last uh, 20 or so minutes uh, being... Uh, solely research. Uh, We like to have our questions come up naturally in the run of the episode and assign them to ourselves the week following as though we are giving ourselves homework. Uh, I have never seen these episodes before. Tim has never seen these episodes before in chronological order after being a lifelong fan for years. If we miss anything, if we egregiously skip over something, please send us an email or send us a tweet. It's at nohugging on Twitter or nohuggingnolearningshow at gmail.com. Both of those links are in the description or on the show description page on Apple Podcasts. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts, and we will send you a free holographic no-hugging, no-learning sticker while supplies last. Uh, And we may also slip in a sticker for our new podcast. Whoa. uh, For whenever Seinfeld is done. Uh, coming up in a couple of months. Oh, boy, that's coming up so soon, isn't it? Yeah, although I still have, back when we were doing the math on that, I still have, like, 2022, May 15th, 2022. I don't know why. We must yeah, have been what off. were we like, thinking? <laughs> I don't know. What, I mean, we, what still, we still have, like, we still we, have got... 20 episodes left here and 20 episodes. Of, that's, like, almost a full year. We, so I think... Well, I mean, I'll, I'll get to it. We, we definitely yeah. have... I'm thinking it's going to be about the Christmas episode will be like our, our near our final Seinfeld episode this year. I think so. All right. When you, when you get to, I'm going to see, uh, so there are four, there's 40 weeks left in 2021. Okay. So. Well, it's going to be close. Okay. Yeah. Well, if, um, uh, like I said, give us a rating. We'll send you a sticker. We just need your mailing address. Uh, if you just want one of the older stickers and you don't want to leave us a rating because you don't want to screw up our perfect <laughs> uh, five-star rating and you think we suck, um, you know what? I'll send you a sticker anyway. Just give us your address. Yeah, um, if, you, if that... you want that sticker just to put another <laughs> sticker of Calvin peeing on our podcast, we'll send it to you. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's the design I should have made. I should have made yes. Calvin <laughs> peeing on on like the Seinfeld logo or something. 
Uh, or no, no, no. Calvin peeing on the Friends logo. Yeah, but it's but it's like a stylized Jerry Seinfeld that looks like Calvin peeing on <laughs> Friends. <laughs> Son of a bitch. That'd be amazing. Okay, that's going to be our third sticker. <laughs> third sticker coming right up. I can't wait for the C&D from Bill Waterson. I've always wanted one, you know. <laughs> yeah, I've never gotten a season desist. Uh, no, I, I, I feel like it's a badge of honor, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just want to check really quick because this is the second time it's come. Okay, good. He's still alive. Thank goodness. Bill Waterson is a national treasure because Calvin and Hobbes is great. And I just, I, I thought the other day I was like, wait a second. He's not dead, is he? No, how I mean. How is Calvin and Hobbes holding up in the era of like 2021? Is Calvin QAnon yet? <laughs> his mom definitely is oh for sure <laughs> yeah. I, I i feel like anybody who's currently sharing a calvin and Hobbes comic is like <laughs> definitely believes that coronavirus is fake why would you say that why i don't you, know it's one of these hunches of. i have i'm i'm a calvin and Hobbes fan are you okay yeah <laughs> Uh, I guess it, it just different different times that we grew. It was probably already not being published by the time you were born, right? Probably. I really yeah. don't have any frame of reference for Calvin and Hobbes. <laughs> I'm just stir- I'm just stirring the pot. If anyway. you had said for better, if you had said for better or for worse, I might have agreed with you. But you said Calvin. <laughs> and Hobbes, okay, so. let me let me rephrase. Anybody who is sharing a Kathy comic, there uh, definitely <laughs> definitely definitely believes that Chrissy Teigen eats babies. Ah, uh, yes, yes, a hundred percent. All right. Uh, so anyway, season eight, episode five, The Package is what we're talking about today. Uh, original air date, October 17th, 1996. I was three years, nine months, and 27 days old. And if you count this episode and every other episode we have left, Tim, we've got 40 episodes. Whoa. Uh, until we become a Calvin and Hobbes podcast. <laughs> Yeah, or how about just like 90s? I would love a Calvin and Hobbes podcast. Can, but we could Cal- even broaden it Ca- to like... Calvin and Hobbes cast? Calvin and Hobbes cast. Yeah, we God have to do it God damn now. it, I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, if you're looking at TV Guide the night of October 17th, 1996, you are going to see Kramer tries to scam the U.S. Postal Service to get a refund for Jerry's stereo. Hmm, okay. We'll have to see at the end if we can make it any better. It's it's not bad, but um by the way, if if we talk for an hour and a half about a twenty two minute TV show, how long would our podcast about a three panel comic be? Uh <laughs> like oh, two hours. God. Maybe an hour yeah. per panel. An hour <laughs> three per hours. panel. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Are we gonna have to do a daily podcast because it's a is it is it published daily? Like, uh, yeah, are what? syndicated comics published daily still yeah, that, for it? Oh, oh, you mean ones that are currently in publication? Yeah. Uh, is yeah, he still I doing it so. daily? Oh, okay. he's not. No, no. He retired. I mean, he's a recluse oh, he? on the level of, ju- like, J.D. Salinger. Yeah, like, Ooh. he hasn't done anything in years um, okay. or decades, probably, you know. How many? I want to see how many episodes we'll have if we do one strip every, what? Only, only 273? Wow. That's more than Seinfeld. <laughs> yeah. That can't be. It really only existed for... That's not... That's That can't be. That can't be. Calvin and Hobbes. What, what answer are you going to be satisfied with? Something well, in the thousands? Well, you're telling... Yeah, like, if it ran okay. every day... Um, well, like I said, I have no framework for Calvin and Hobbes, so I have no idea. Well, now I can't. I mean, it, it started in 85, and it went to okay. 95, and you're telling me he only did 273 oh, wow. strips? Jeez. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll have to find this out later. I can't. The, the Wikipedia page is way too extensive. I, I figured I'm, I'd just find something. Well, then again, may, maybe it was like a Sunday comics thing only. 
Yeah, maybe there was only 273 Sunday comics, but even still, that's not 10 years worth of. And yeah. I know you go on vacation and stuff, but anyway, this is I'm I'm because I've had I have books upon books and books full. And each one probably has 273 in them. Yeah, I, I got to find out what's going on here. Uh, but let's start. Let's talk about Seinfeld. All right, we <laughs> we got we. We got home. We got homework on something that didn't even come from the episode. <laughs> yeah, I know that always happens. Uh, we open. We have another cold open, and this is Kramer and Newman sitting in the park. Uh, Kramer's smoking. I mean, uh, maybe they're both smoking big old stogies. I know Newman at least is. Kramer is looking th- uh, through the newspaper. Is he looking specifically for Bermuda Triangle news? I don't know, because <laughs> he's talking about the Bermuda <laughs> Triangle. It doesn't look like he's really reading anything. He's just kind of thumbing through it. And I think he's thumbing through. He's like, oh, there's nothing about the Bermuda Triangle anymore. <laughs> I really think he was looking, expecting, like, in a, you know, the, a major metropolitan newspaper to find, like, the latest on the Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> uh, yes, it, it's it's in section B for Bermuda. <laughs> uh, but by the way, it reminds me of one of my favorite, you know, viral tweets of all time. I don't even know who did it or what, but it's like, you know, it was something like, as a kid, I was expecting the Bermuda Triangle to be a lot bigger problem than it was. Do you feel the same (laughs) way growing up that like... Yes. Yeah, yeah. You were like fascinated with the Bermuda Triangle and what is it and like what happens when you fly through it. (laughs) That and like, oh God, I can't even remember the stand-up comedian who originally had this joke, but like maybe it was John Mulaney, maybe, but someone's like, as a kid, I thought quicksand was going to be a lot bigger (laughs) issue. Yeah, yeah, quicksand and the Bermuda Triangle. You're like, yeah. I really thought these were much bigger problems. Than- like I thought, I thought this was gonna be, have to be something that we would worry about on the daily. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but really, I mean, once you and Kramer's right, the Bermuda Triangle is just. You know, Newman's like, there's not a lot of action down there. And Kramer's like, oh, there's action. The alien autopsy is stealing all the headlines. <laughs> was this was this news at the time, the alien I, autopsy? I think so, and I don't know why. I remember, I think there might even been like a TV special, or I don't even know what exactly they're referring to, but I'll, I'll write it down to see what the alien autopsy was. If it was something that was uh, catching everyone's attention at this particular time in 96, which specific alien autopsy they're talking about. I don't okay. remember the deal with it, but uh, we'll find out what's the deal next week. And <laughs> I like Newman's like, do we own the Bermuda? And, and Kramer's like, no, no, it's the British. And then Newman goes, Lucky Krauts. Why did he refer to the British as Krauts? That's definitely an epithet to refer to German people. <laughs> yeah, I was confused <laughs> by that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then Newman's goes, uh, well, what do you think about that alien autopsy? And Kramer goes, oh, that's real. Or, or maybe it's reversed <laughs> or whatever. Uh, but yeah, so they're, they're definitely talking about something that was going on at the time. Uh, we open the episode proper in a doctor's office, and Elaine looks at her file before the doctor comes in, and it says she's difficult. And she was specifically difficult in January of 1992, as she tells the doctor when he walks in, he's like, you're not supposed to be looking at that. Uh, and she's like, I, I remember that because I didn't want to put a gown on because I just had a mole on my shoulder and I had worn a tank top. So you could see I, I didn't want to wear the gown. And the doctor is like, all right, well, let me just uh, erase that. And Elaine calls him out for fake erasing it because it was in pen. And <laughs> the doctor, without even examining Elaine, starts writing in the file. And is like, oh, uh, there's nothing to worry about. You'll be fine. So it doesn't even look at the rash. He just starts no. writing in the file again <laughs> and walks out. Uh, at a photo shop, not uh, the one that, you know, not the one that Adobe makes, but an actual shop that you would walk in and get photos from. <laughs> I, I think I, I think I just put together for the first time why that's called Photoshop. I don't know why it never occurred to me. That's so it, it weird. Sound, it sounds like something uh, an elderly person would say. I what is Photoshop? I, I need to go to the Photoshop to make these photos. Yeah, 
but yeah. talking about Photoshop the my, program. My grandson Teddy got this from a Photoshop. No, he, Grandma, he... I went to the photo. I mean, I used Photoshop. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> you made these at the Photoshop? I didn't know you knew how to do that. You work at the Photoshop? No, I, I work on, I have it on my computer. It's just right here. <laughs> but I just put together in my head that, like, you can do everything in that program you used to be able to do at a Photoshop. I had... Yeah. I, I don't know why I never connected those dots I, before. I don't think I don't think I ever made that connection either. That is, huh, that's <laughs> yeah. cool. I, I like that. Okay. It's just been its own descriptor for so long. It's like, oh yeah, that's photoshopped. I wonder if back in the day, if like you manipulated a photo and like, hey, look at this uh, poster that I made. I got it photoshopped. I bought it at a Photoshop. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, you photoshopped yeah. that poster, so it's huge. Yeah, I got it. At the Photoshop. <laughs> I photoshopped it. Oh my gosh! I could I could talk for the rest of the for another hour just about this. <laughs> Your mind just blew wide open, didn't it? it did I short circuited? I need to like reboot. <laughs> Do you, need, you need a drink of water or something? You need to just like yeah. take take a second. Okay. I think I need to like chug a Gatorade. I need to like rehydrate. I need electrolytes. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> <laughs> all right let's try to get back on track all right we we are now one minute into the episode <laughs> yeah that's the thing that by the way i noticed about this episode the exposition moves like we know what the episode's going to be about within like two minutes it's crazy how quick it moves yeah so george is picking up photos at the photoshop <laughs> and the clerk Who's, who is really cute, by the way? This they got a cute uh, woman to play this clerk here. She says, uh, "Well, you know, I, I hope you got your hope you got the mustard uh, stain out of your shirt," uh, kind of implying that she looked at the photos. And also, George is like, "Oh wait, I, I'm I'm being flirted with." Uh, and then he turns into flirting George like right away, um, <laughs> which I compared to date Mike from that episode when he finds out like he you know Jim and Pam are like trying to set him up with somebody. He's like, "Oh, well, wait a second, this is a setup," and he goes and like gets his Kangol hat and becomes <laughs> like tries to start acting cool, even though. She liked who he was beforehand. Like, George becomes flirting George the second he realizes he's being flirted with. <laughs> <laughs> Up in Jerry's apartment, Superman, we get a... I mean, we're, like, right next to him at the bookshelf, for crying out loud. You can't miss him. Uh, yeah. He's also also still on the fridge. Uh, Kramer asks Jerry what's wrong with his stereo, and George comes in, and he takes a picture of Jerry showing Kramer how to get his stereo to work using a screwdriver. And he says the photo clerk, whose name is Sheila, is obviously looking at George's photos, so he wants to, you know, give her more business, just reason to, to talk to her and, and show interest himself. Elaine comes in, meanwhile, and all four, the big four are in the same room. It feels like a long time since this has happened. It doesn't last very it long. It does. But I'm You're like, right. oh my gosh, everybody's in Jerry's apartment. It was huh. wild. Yeah. I didn't think of that. It felt kind of out. Of, I was like, wait, this is weird for a reason. I don't know. I think, this, <laughs> I think it hasn't happened in a while. Like Kramer immediately slips out with the stereo, but Jerry grabs a box of waffle crisp, I noticed. And I did go to Walmart as I had planned last week uh -huh. and I forgot to look for it. Uh... I know. I know. So stupid. Now I've got to make a special trip. I was there anyway. And Elaine um, is talking about the, the doctor and the file. And she's like, I'm not difficult. I'm easy. And then Jerry says, oh, you mean because you dress? What did he say? You dress? Because uh, why? Because you dress casual and sleep with a lot of guys? <laughs> that was it. Yeah. I'm easy. God damn, Jerry. <laughs> easy with the fucking sex shaming. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now Elaine goes to a new doctor and she's in a gown. She's like, oh, I don't mind putting these on. I have one at home that I just kind of walk around in. <laughs> and 
the old doctor sent over Elaine's file when she changed to this new doctor and he starts reading it and then he says pretty much the same thing our first doctor said oh well that didn't look too serious you'll be fine again without actually <laughs> examining her at all and she's like are you sure he's walking out she's like it's, it's really itchy yeah. and he turns around and starts writing in her file again <laughs> did, did she think that her chart wouldn't follow her <laughs> yeah i i guess maybe she had hoped that it would or also that maybe <laughs> their personal notations wouldn't make it over just like you know nothing about her actual appointments there just her medical information you yeah know? I, but, I i guess i can see that yeah it, it was worth a shot i mean you're like well maybe it will and if it does whatever you know i i have to do something about this <laughs> <laughs> i could see her thinking like this this might work but it, it didn't uh, up back up in jerry's apartment a postman arrives with a package for jerry and he refuses delivery because he doesn't recognize it he's not expecting anything there's no return envelope it looks all like shoddily put together uh george comes in and he mocks Jerry for thinking it might be a bomb. And he's like, oh, the ego on you, thinking someone's going to – you're bombable. Who's, who would bomb you? An airline for all the stupid little peanut jokes? <laughs> I, I have to note, I had to watch this episode without my headphones in because uh, for some reason they just weren't working. And uh, Grace was downstairs. She laughed out loud at this line. <laughs> yeah. It's very, like, you don't see George burning people very often, but that was no. a solid burn. <laughs> this, this was a really good one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and George is living an impressive life. You know, get, got some more pictures developed, and he's living an impressive life for Sheila through photos so for instance like taking a picture next to a mercedes uh even though he doesn't own one and then jerry's like is this uh who was it burt reynolds i think yeah is the, yeah. yeah is this burt reynolds he's like a wax museum and, <laughs> and talk about so my life as a kid was essentially about three things worrying about the bermuda triangle worrying about quicksand and loving wax museums really yeah were you not fascinated with wax museums I mean, I liked them. I, it wasn't, I wouldn't say it was a third of my personality. Oh my, I don't know why it was, but like taking pictures with a disposable camera with wax celebrities in, in every city my, my family went to a vacation on. If I, there was a wax museum, I was like, we're going to that wax museum, people. Get ready. Get ready. We're going to see wax Michael Jackson and we're going to see wax my, my, Arnold my, Schwarzenegger. Michael Waxon. <laughs> Michael Waxon. <laughs> and we're going to see Wax Sylvester Stallone, and everyone's going to enjoy And we're going to skip the... And also, every Wax Museum had a House of Horrors. And I was like, oh, we're going to skip the House of Horrors, which was like, you know, it was... Wa they weren't Wax celebrities, but they were like Wax people in, you know, like being tortured and stuff. And oh, yeah. but but all wax museums had like a, a way around it, like a go through this door if you don't want to go through the House of Horrors. And so <laughs> I like, always skip the House of Horrors. Or like some now are like partnered with uh, the Ripley's Museum or something. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh yeah, my God. I loved. I don't even know. I mean, they, they're just not a thing anymore, right? I, I think like wax museums. Oh, they're they're totally still a thing. Really? Huh. Yeah. I mean, they're only gonna be in like heavy tourist areas. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, but so like New York City probably has a Madame Tussauds or a couple. L.A. probably. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, but then again, if you find like a roadside attraction in the middle of nowhere <laughs> wax museum, that is a must stop because you know it's gonna be so bad. Oh yeah, even even the celebrities are part of the House of Horrors there, just for how <laughs> how awful they look. <laughs> yeah uh yeah and, and and if you do stop at one of those like you can collect a bunch of you know oh we have we have 
Arnold Schwarzenegger at home, Arnold Schwarzenegger at home. You can collect all those pictures if you want to. <laughs> Just do a different one of those memes every day for you a year. You can do one every day, yeah. Mom, can we have Catherine Zeta-Jones? We have Catherine Zeta-Jones at home. Catherine Zeta-Jones at home. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know where the hell I am. The wag- Oh, Burt Reynolds, yeah. Then, inside the same photo pack of George's developed photos is a racy photo of a show- someone showing a lot of skin. And George is sure it is Sheila. So he's like, oh, I'm going to go ask her out right now. And Kramer stops him from going. He's like, oh, come on. It- you got to play the game. Uh, it's it's all about the timeless art of seduction. You got to send a racy photo back, and then Kramer offers his services as a photog, as he says. And I I really liked Jerry's line here, just so flat. Yeah, I like this idea. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I like this idea. <laughs> <laughs> Out on the street, Leo runs into the same postman who Jerry refused the package from, and he asked Leo why Jerry wouldn't accept the package. I loved Leo's response. Oh, he wants it. He's just trying to be funny. (laughs) 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 I'll sign for it, and Uncle Leo signs for it. (laughs) Oh, he wants it. He's just trying to be funny. In a cab, George tells Elaine to just go ahead and why don't you change the file yourself? Get a hold of it and change the file. Uh, like he does with his personnel file at work all the time. I'm in and out of there all the time. <laughs> he says, like, I've held the I've held the same job for two years. That's not an accident. <laughs> I don't think I've ever actually worked anywhere that I've had a file like that. I mean, I guess I must have a personnel file, but I, I can't imagine what's in it. It's a uh, plot twist. It's still your permanent record from school. It <laughs> yeah. followed you all this way. <laughs> yeah, I never even understood that, too. Like, this is going... They say it in movies all the time. This is going on your permanent record. Like, what is... <laughs> What is that? I should have gotten that at, during at graduation, like just to see what was in there. Like, I feel like that's something that they should hand over to you, right? Yeah, if it like, exists it, it, at, at graduation. You should be able to, yeah, request it or something, or they just hand it to you with your fake diploma. Like, and here's your permanent record as well. You can take a look through that. That's yours now. But it would be great if they just sent it to sent it to your employer or your college or anything like that. Like, oh, where are you going to school? All right, we'll send them your permanent record. <laughs> I guess probably. For- then from your school, they have to send it to every job you hold from there on out. <laughs> yeah. I guess probably like the troublemaking kids probably had some sort of disciplinary record. But I, I guess if you were never suspended or expelled or had to go to in-school, after-school, whatever, you probably don't have a permanent record. I, I have no idea. Uh, George asks if Elaine ever sent any racy photos to anybody. And she goes, uh, yeah, I sent one to everybody I know. Remember my Christmas card? Uh, which, by the way, was season four, episode 13, uh, the episode where she uh, sent. And she he asked how Kramer is, how it was getting photographed by him. She was like, he was actually very professional. And she was like, I, the photos were really good. In fact, I cropped out the nipple and I use it as my health club ID. <laughs> I, I liked uh, George, like in Elaine saying, yeah, my Christmas card. He just goes, oh, yeah, <laughs> the nipple. And then just <laughs> stares at Elaine's chest. Yes. A- as yeah. if he's like trying to remember where her nipple is <laughs> and what yeah. it looks like. Yeah, very skeezy, George. <laughs> Uh, at a, a doctor, I think this is the same as the second doctor that Elaine went to. Uh, the receptionist tells Elaine that the doctor can't see her. He's very busy. And when the, the receptionist walks away, Elaine rubs the phone all over her rash on her neck, which was just disgusting. And, like, I was gen- oh. genuinely shocked. Like, I went, oh, God. Like, I literally had a, a reaction to it. <laughs> um, but it was it was super funny. And Elaine 
goes through the files, uh, the stacks of files, and she steals her file and runs into the elevator. But she's stopped by a doctor and an orderly, uh, and the doctor demands the file back, and he begins writing in it. And Elaine knows it, not, it can't be good. Not just any doctor, Doctor Berg. Doctor Berg, I didn't notice that. Is this the yeah. second doctor that? Is this the one that she had just seen earlier, like she was in the gown and everything? I think that I don't think this was the second doctor. I think this may have been the first. The first doctor, doctor. maybe. Yeah, yeah. I did. I, I did like the orderly there too because I feel like that's not a that's not certainly a uniform that you see much anymore. It was like a 1950s, like an orderly. In a even the word orderly, I'm like, are, do hospitals still have orderlies now? I don't even know what that is. I've said it Ew. so much, I can't. Um, but it I looks like an an orderly from like a 1930s Three Stooges short or something. It does, you know, like that's yeah, how. Right. Yeah, that guy would get like bonked in the head with something <laughs> like the the reflex hammer, <laughs> like, he, and definitely the you know the Three Stooges would escape from wherever they were. But you know that like sort of white flat collar very tight up at the top and yeah i don't know what that guy's job was or if it still exists in present day but it was interesting to see him standing there next to the doctor he was muscle i mean that's really what he was Mm -hmm. Uh, up in jerry's apartment george is looking for kramer for a uh, personal matter as he says and leo calls jerry because uh he he got the package and jerry you know george is like get him to open it in case it is a bomb and Jerry's like, oh, I don't want my, I'm not going to shoot my uncle like some bomb-diffusing robot. And then Leo goes, your cousin Jeffrey's in a Pox Department uh, production of the Mikado. I want you to come with me. And then Jerry goes, open the package, Uncle Leo. <laughs> <laughs> and he does. And through the phone, you hear an explosion. <laughs> and we cut to a commercial there. And when we come back, Jerry is telling Elaine how disappointed he was it wasn't a bomb. He's like, he doesn't say he was disappointed, but he goes, no, no bomb. So he knows he's not bombable. He got excited because, like, he is bombable. That means he's made it or something, but <laughs> no bomb. Uh, and Leo had left a can of oven cleaner in his oven, and that's what blew up. And his eyebrows and all of his hair was singed off. And the package, uh, which jo- Jerry has now, is his stereo. As Kramer comes in and tells him, he's like, yeah, now it looks like it was broken in the mail. And guess what? I insured it for $1,200. And so we'll make the Postal Service pay. We get now a great, this is one of the all-time great back and forth between any of the cast members when Kramer says, it's a write-off for them. And this whole back and forth about, do you know what a write-off is? No, but they do. And they're the ones writing it off. I I love the whole (laughs) sequence here. It was just brilliant, brilliant writing. Uh, It's one one of my favorites. Uh, Elaine can't get a doctor's appointment anywhere in the city because everyone, I guess, has seen her file now. And Jerry suggests Dr. Resnick, who Leo's doctor. And she was like, Resnick, he's not listed. He's like, yeah, he's not very good. <laughs> <laughs> Up in uh, Kramer's apartment, which Fusilli Jerry is like right there. Yeah. Did you see like Kramer sneaking out with Jerry's box fan? Yeah, yeah, I did see that. <laughs> yeah, he sneaks out of the last scene. And in Kramer's apartment, the box fan is there, and a few silly Jerry is as well. And Kramer is being a mix of like encouraging, but also like kind of a sleazy photographer. Uh, it was it was played very well. This kind of like trope that you see of of the the guy who's like, oh, you know, I mean, like, uh, yeah, I mean, I think you'd look beautiful with your top off if you want to. You know, like a very me too, what would be considered now, I think, a very me too moment. Um, I think so. A very yeah. times up moment, but. But also, like, he is being very encouraging to George. But there are certain moments in there that you can tell they're playing for that old trope of, like, the skeezy photographer who 
gets a woman to do more than she was went in wanting to do in a, in a session like this. Uh, for mm-hmm. instance, he gets George to take his shirt off. It also makes me question. I was like, all right, so was Elaine's nipple really a mistake? Or is that something that Kramer, like, mm-hmm. not necessarily talked her into, but, like, got her to do without her even knowing? Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, my. Oh, my God. Yeah. We see how he operates now. I think that, I mean, that's got to be maybe what they were, I don't know, I, w- I would wonder if that's what they were going for, like kind of to explain why Elaine had an exposed nipple in the first place. I mean, she didn't notice it at all when she was printing the cards and everything like that, and but it, and, and I don't think he would have gone like, hey, Elaine, take your top off or whatever, but I think he would have gone like, <laughs> oh, you know, move like this or move like that so that a nipple is exposed, you know. Might have been, might have been, I don't know, just judging off of off of this session. Uh, over at Elaine's, the she's woken up in the middle of the night by a phone call from the American Medical Association <laughs> asking for the correct spelling of her name. <laughs> and it sounded like Phil Hartman. I don't think it was, but the the phone oh, man. It sa- the phone call sounded like Phil Hartman. And then they're like when she confirms the spelling of her name, they're like, "Okay." And then Elaine's like, "Hello?" And then a second later he's like, "Get off the line. We're trying to make another call." <laughs> like, "Why don't you hang up, sir?" <laughs> I think well, I think here's what happened. That if you know that I remember experiencing with landlines was when and and if you still have a landline, I think this is still possible. But so when one person hung up, the line would stay connected for a long time. So that the person picked up within like three or five seconds, the call would still be connected. You know, the call wouldn't disconnect immediately. Oh. So I think the guys probably did hang up, and Elaine's like, "Hello," and then they picked the phone up immediately to make another call, and she was still there, like. Get off the line. We're trying to make another call. And then so they didn't, they didn't wait long enough for the calls to for the, the lines literally to disconnect. Uh, oh. Yeah. And so I think that's the I think that's a joke that's lost now in um, lost to time. Really? Yeah. Lost to time. Yeah. Interesting. I, I never knew that. I never knew that calls <laughs> didn't disconnect immediately. Yeah. Not when you hit end. Yeah. I mean, you, there was no end. I mean, unless you were maybe on a cordless phone, you could hit maybe power or something, whatever it was. But yeah, when you hung up. You, you still had, you know, a few seconds to pick back up and go, oh, okay. Um, you know, that's why if you wanted to disconnect the other call, if you had call waiting, you know, the way you did that was you you pushed down on the hang up button and then you you let it off and you were you were switched between lines. But if you wanted to hang up on the person you were that was not on call waiting, like, all right, well, I'll talk to you later. I got another call. You could hold down the whatever hang up. What, I don't know what it's called. You could hold down the little hang up button until the phone would start ringing then for the call waiting call and that would disconnect the other line and now you'd only be on one huh. one call once again yeah yeah it was uh the age of landlines over at leo's doctor dr resnick elaine poses as leo's nurse paloma a name she makes up immediately <laughs> and not only is so leo just did he just go to the doctor to ask when his eyebrows would grow back like is there nothing I else guess so. wrong? <laughs> i guess so also how did his his eyebrows and his mustache burned off, but not his hair. Yeah, I, I guess it didn't get to the back of the head. I don't know. <laughs> and the, Elaine mentions the rash. Like, oh, yeah, he's got this rash, too. And the doctor walks out for, as he says, some ointment. But Elaine gets paranoid, and she pokes her head out, and the doctor's actually on the phone. And she's like, he's on to us. And so then Leo asks about his eyebrows again. So Elaine grabs a permanent marker from her purse and starts drawing on eyebrows for uncle leo (laughs) over at the post office jerry's claim has been red flagged for fraud by newman who suspects mail fraud uh by jerry and then back at dr resnick's comes in with the ointment and so he really he wasn't on to elaine he was just talking on the phone but leo's eyebrows 
are drawn on in a way that make him look angry. And I love this bit was very funny. <laughs> Did, in what world do oh, these eyebrows look real? Oh yeah, well they don't. They certainly don't look real. <laughs> but I love that Doctor Resnick is taking the emotion as he's like, like he's you know, so scared, he's terrified yeah. that Leo's like angry at these eyebrows. <laughs> Yeah, he's like, okay, calm down. He's like, you don't have to say it. Uh, you don't have to be so angry. Like, what are you talking about? As he's reaching for his chart and writing in the chart. Yeah, yeah. He's writing something in the folder. Eyebrows can make, you know, it's, it's different. Like, I shaved my head in college and people who had never seen me, like my friends had never seen me with short hair or whatever. I, I mean, when I say shaved it, I mean, not, not like bicked, but it was whatever the lowest guard is on you the thing. It? Like that's Yeah, I buzzed it. Yeah. And... My friends were like, hey, are you like, I'd be just be looking out the car window and be like, hey, are you angry? Are you upset about it? I'm like, what? No, like, <laughs> oh, you just look angry. So whatever my hair did to the rest of my face, when I took that out of the equation, my eyebrows made me look angry yeah. all the time. See, I haven't I haven't buzzed my head in 13 years yeah. uh, since like freshman year of high school. I feel like I look much younger when I when I have no hair, I look I look like a child, mm-hmm. especially like if I don't have any of my attempts at facial hair. Yeah, yeah, that was kind of it too because I, I had a bit of a I had a goatee, and so that might have been it too. Like a goatee, whatever my eyebrows do without my hair, and then shaved head um, was probably an odd look at the time. I probably looked <laughs> like I belonged in like a, a new metal band. Oh God! <laughs> Which are very angry. They're typically very angry. So, or they can be. Maybe that's what I look like. Uh, over at the Photoshop, George drops off the roll of film with his seductive photos in it, and Sheila hands them <laughs> immediately off to Ron because <laughs> uh, she's I, going to lunch. Yeah, I loved this back and forth. Like anytime we're in the the Photoshop yeah. with like with Sheila and George, or like Sheila and Ron, because it. How often do we get a uh, story dr- uh, forward driven story elements this quickly in this succession? You yeah, know? Yeah. yeah, this was a very fast moving episode. I mean, it just like just trucked along. I was like, man, we're, we're like cutting so many cuts between locations and story going on. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, it was, it was very quick moving episode. But uh, she- Sheila says, like, as she's handing George's role to Ron, <laughs> hey, that model that was in here yesterday, she's missing one of her lingerie shots. Have you seen it? Uh-oh. Oh, boy. We got a big misunderstanding here. Uh, over at the post office, Newman <laughs> is soaked in sweat interrogating Jerry, who is still wearing his jacket. <laughs> yeah, Jerry's very... totally, totally fine. <laughs> and I love, like... Newman's section of the room is lit by like a tiny overhead hanging light and Jerry when he's shot is very well lit and like I said he still has his jacket on it's almost like they're in two separate rooms it was very it was a really funny way that it was shot um and the insurance is suspect because as Newman says parcels rarely get damaged in transit and then Jerry goes oh define rarely he's like frequently (laughs) (laughs) I love that line uh and Newman can't prove anything and Uncle Leo was the one that signed for the package anyway so Newman says this uh, case is closed pending further evidence also I love how Uncle Leo's signature says Uncle Leo. I really wonder if it did or if just well, because Newman, Newman knows says Leo's you signed for the name. package, didn't it? And Jerry, Jerry says, <laughs> as a matter of fact, I didn't. <laughs> and, and when Newman looks at it, he reads. I don't think New- Newman has no 
uh, reasoning for knowing who Jerry's Uncle Leo is. So right. why why would he say Uncle Leo if Especially that's not what his signature says? Leo is Helen's brother. Isn't that what we have? Yeah. Yeah, so his name wouldn't be Leo Seinfeld even. That wouldn't even yeah. be a clue. <laughs> it would be, did we ever learn what Jerry's mom's maiden name is? Not that I know of. Okay. <laughs> so it, 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 I guess it must just say Uncle Leo. <laughs> Uncle Leo. <laughs> I could see Uncle Leo signing stuff like Uncle Leo. He might be one of those neighborhood guys that everybody just calls Uncle Leo. Yeah, there's Uncle Leo. He's been oh, in the neighborhood you... 90 years. Oh, that guy's years. your uncle? No. <laughs> no, no, he's just, you know, a neighborhood friendly guy. That makes me think of um, last episode of uh, Elaine telling employees about George. She's like, and you guys are friends? Oh, yeah, great friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's a bad seed. He's the worst seed. He's a horrible seed. That's it, yeah. <laughs> oh, great friends, yeah. <laughs> Kramer, ha oh, by the way, this whole interrogation scene has to be a reference to Basic Instinct, right? Uh, I don't know. I've never seen Basic Instinct. I saw... It, a very long time ago, and I probably only mostly saw the interrogation scene because that famously has Sharon Stone's oh, vagina. Yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, Wayne Knight is in that scene. No way, really? Yeah. So I'm gonna write huh. down. Yeah, I'm. I'm almost certain he's one of the people questioning, and he and he is very he is very sweaty in that scene, and he's you know like under the lights and like swallowing heavily and stuff like that. Um. So I'm gonna I'm gonna uh. I'm going to write down basic instinct homage for homework next week because uh, I'm, I'm willing to bet that even the uh, Wikipedia page will say that's a, a parody of the basic instinct scene, blah, blah, blah. I mean, they didn't go as far as to have Jerry like cross and uncross his legs or whatever, but um, I'm almost certain <laughs> that it has to be just because and just because maybe Wayne Knight was in that movie. Kramer, by the way, is going in some kind of disguise, a doctor disguise uh, to get Elaine's chart and. I love that he doesn't know her last name. He's like, it's Bennett, right? <laughs> Is that what he said? Bennett, like B-E-N-N-E-T? Yeah, and, and she says, it's Bennis, you jackass. <laughs> and even then, he's just like he does whenever he finds out something like with, um, with Lily and Susan, he thinks they're lying. He's like, he kind of looks around. She's like, yes, I'm sure, or whatever. <laughs> Newman, meanwhile, back at the post office, we're out on the street, I mean, Newman passes the Photoshop right as the Photoshop is developing the picture of Jerry using the screwdriver on his stereo. What is he looking at? Because it looks like this photo is up on a computer screen. That yeah. can't be the case, right? No, I can't imagine that when the, you turn in a roll of film, they process it like that. <laughs> like, all right, we've got to fine-tune everything in the computer screen, and that only takes an hour, like 35 pictures. You're going to go through and put them all on a computer screen and then put them on a photo. Like, no, you just plug that into the machine, and the machine does all the work. That's why it was able to be processed so quickly. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I don't know, like, what he would be looking at, especially from the street looking in and seeing this photo so clearly. Yeah, yeah, that's odd. I wouldn't appreciate if a Photoshop did that. It's like, hey, why, why, are, you, why are you processing photos within full view of just anybody walking by? <laughs> like, stop doing that. I, and why are you processing the photos as large prints <laughs> only to give me a four by six or a five by seven. What are you doing with these large prints? Where are they going? Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Over at the doctor's office, uh, Kramer introduces himself as Dr. Van Nostren, who we've uh, encountered before a couple times at one of his alter egos. And, but he can't sell the fact that he's a doctor and he is kicked out. And <laughs> as he tells Elaine, now they got a chart on me. <laughs> uh, 
he says Dr. Van Nostren from the clinic. From the clinic. <laughs> he can't even come up with a name whenever he's challenged on it. He's like, oh, what what, what clinic did you say you were from? Yeah, that's right. Uh, I did like that response to like, what, what clinic is that? <laughs> that's right. Because <laughs> I feel like nine times out of ten that might – because people hate asking – what you know you'll ask what twice and then for the third time if you don't hear it you're like all right well i'm just not gonna um i'm not gonna press this anymore so i feel like that that could work like nine times out of ten times as long as you're not trying to get a secret file from somebody you know a file that's protected (laughs) by you know hipaa laws and stuff like that yeah yeah um it might get you out of trying to have to lie further uh back at the photoshop sheila can't find george's photos and as George says, oh, can't find him. The dance continues. And she's like, well, you know, we'll call you when you find him. And George is like, yeah, sure. And then, uh, you know, maybe we can go out and do something. And Sheila's like, sure. So George has sort of like, I wrote down task failed successfully. George has like, <laughs> what he has done has not helped him at all. But just like being kind of a confident guy, thinking that what he's done has worked, worked, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He ended up asking her out, which was his intention in the first place. Yeah, and it has nothing to do with anything Kramer, any of Kramer's advice or any of the pictures that he sent or whatever. It's just like it, it worked, but not in the way. If only he could fool himself into thinking that everyone has believed his lies without having to lie. You know, I mean, yeah. maybe that's the key to any confidence. We um we get this great back and forth again between Sheila and Ron. Yeah. Um, well, I, actually, before that, Ron comes in. <laughs> And stares through George's soul. Oh, yeah. He makes eyes at him. Oh, yeah. I, like, the whole time George is walking out of the shop, I don't think Ron takes his eyes off of him. No, no. Um, but Sheila tells Ron, hey, the little guy finally asked me out. <laughs> yeah, so she's been wanting that for a long time, obviously. <laughs> Ron seems, uh, you know, surprised. Like, oh, really? <laughs> And that's when Sheila asks him where the photos are. And he's like, oh, uh, the po- some guy from the post office confiscated them. Uh, here's his card. And it's just a card that says U.S. Post Office. It's got the logo and the name of the top. And then it just says Newman in the center. <laughs> <laughs> I I loved this. I loved this visual gag. Because, yeah. like, at the time, Grace had gone to get coffee. And she was walking back in the house. Was not inside yet. But she said she could hear me laughing from outside. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was hilarious. Now I want cards that are just that. It just had just has the logo of your radio station and just says Murphy. Yeah, that would be awesome. I, <laughs> I guess I should do that, Murphy. Yeah, or maybe just no logo and just Murphy. You know. Um, no, I, I'm the one who has no logo right now. <laughs> no logo, no logo, Ted. Uh, back at the post office now, George and Jerry are back in whatever little interrogation room they've set up, and Newman confronts Jerry with the gigantic blown up picture of that that Newman got photoshopped. <laughs> Newman has photoshopped <laughs> a poster of Jerry, uh, you know, jimmying his stereo with the screwdriver, and Newman starts monologuing about how he's finally nailed Jerry and he's dragged him down from his lair, and uh, then he's cut off the- by the other guy. <laughs> This was a great monologue. I I wish I could remember exactly what he was saying. I should have written it down. Yeah, it was it was pretty good. And then, but he's cut off by the guy who's like Newman. He's like, uh, "W a small fine." <laughs> <laughs> so it's not like I mean I can't believe that you know twelve hundred dollars worth of it's got to be no, federal not even, mail. Not even twelve hundred, four hundred. 
Oh, it was four hundred. I thought for some reason Newman said or Kramer said he had insured it for uh, twelve hundred. But okay, four hundred. I guess I'm yeah, yeah, just uh, just four hundred. I think he got the stimmy on the mind. Yeah, probably. <laughs> so four hundred dollars worth of it's got to be federal mail fraud though, because it's you know the U.S. Postal Service. I want to see what. All right, I'm going to look up. I'm going to see if we can find out what are, actual mail. Are fraud. there such things as federal misdemeanors? Hmm, that's a good question. George is confronted with his picture and one of Ron's. So Ron also made a seductive picture, I guess, to slip <laughs> into George's photos, thinking that the uh, art of seduction was for him. It's right at that second that Sheila comes in for some reason and sees the pictures of George and Ron and then runs <laughs> off. George is in pursuit. And that's pretty much the end of the episode. Although Jerry does give one last little, the timeless art of seduction yeah, tag. Newman printed off the photos of George and Ron thinking it was evidence of some mail order pornography ring. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, would that be illegal? I can't imagine it would be if you're taking I, pictures of yourself. And I don't know what you're allowed or not allowed to <laughs> send through the mail, but I'm pretty sure like Hustler used to be in the mail, right? So... Yeah, it, it's <laughs> like you can get pornography in the mail. Yeah. A and also, these weren't in the mail. They were on George's camera, which was not in the mail. That's right. <laughs> it has nothing to do with the mail. No, not at all. <laughs> yeah, the whole episode starts falling apart for me pretty much right <laughs> when Kramer walks by and sees the picture. Like, it's all kind of impossible coincidence from then on like mm -hmm. why why did sheila walk in right as those pictures were unveiled why was newman walking by and looked in there right when that picture was on the screen out of 35 others that could have been there i'm like this it just seems absurd to me and i think that's a good example of what people don't like about the post larry david era is stuff like this they're like all right we got to wrap yeah. up this episode so let's just throw a bunch of coincidences I in there and kind it's of make it circular. Yeah. Very, very convenient plot points. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just like lazy. Just kind of lazy. Like, all right, we got to end the episode. I don't know. Just have Newman walking by and seeing that picture. Like, okay. Like, yeah. Well, like, well, how is he seeing the picture? They're developing it. It's not like it would yeah. be big enough. I don't know. Ma make something big. He just has to see it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, we do get one last little bit. And Leo, Kramer, and Elaine are in some dirt road country doctor. Might be a vet. <laughs> I don't know whether this is like I don't those, know like... if it is or not, but yeah, there's some there's this country bumpkin dude holding his pig. Yeah, it might be one of those doctors that's like, yes, I'm I'm the town vet and the town doctor. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's also like animal pictures all over the wall, which you know a country doctor might have pictures of his horses up on the wall. There was a bunch, of, but I'm mm -hmm. like also. Those might be the horses that he's worked on and stuff. <laughs> uh, and right as Elaine is about to go and finally meet this doctor that she's hoping is outside the purview of the American Medi Medical Association, the doctor gets a call and goes, well, yes, uh, she's here right now. Oh, I understand. <laughs> and Elaine knows that they've gotten to him too, damn it. Talk about convenient plot points. Um, the American Medical Association barring somebody from medical care entirely. Yeah, yeah. Making sure that they're... The fact that they're difficult is on every file in the entire world. Yes, because they they have a rash and they brought up one issue. So, oh, sorry, you can't ever go to a doctor again. Ever. Yeah, we're going to make about sure anything. Of Yep. Also, what did you think of this, uh, this like, 40s or 50s era Wizard of Oz B-roll? For the doctor's office. Oh, yeah, yeah. I did think that was weird. The little farmhouse B-roll. Yeah. It's like a farmhouse and like a, a 1940s Ford pickup truck. I'm like, <laughs> just because it's the country doesn't mean they're going to have like 
a car from 50 years ago. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yep. Oh my gosh. All right. Well, what do, uh, what do we got for homework this um, episode? How many Calvin and Hobbes comic strips there are? Uh, <laughs> what the deal with the alien autopsy was? What was that uh, that was going on at the time? Uh, is the interrogation scene an homage to Basic Instinct? And what would the actual punishment be for $400 worth of mail fraud? Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. What do you like for cover art this week? Hmm. I mean, the picture of Jerry jimmying the stereo is pretty good. That is good. Um, is there is there a screen or is, is there a, a still where we could have the photo of Jerry, the photo of George, and the photo of Ron? Uh, see, I think by the by the end, only George and Ron are visible. Mm. Um. So I don't. I don't think so, but that's not bad either. I mean, George getting his picture taken is pretty funny too. So that that anything in the uh, photography session is pretty funny. All right, I'll see. Uh, I'll see what I can make work out of those. All right. All right. Let's see what we can do okay. with the description. Um. So we had Kramer tries to scam the U.S. Postal Service to get a refund for Jerry's stereo. I mean, he does, but we don't even really know that that's what ha- what he did with it until like way late in the episode. Yeah. It's not explained that he took Jerry's stereo to someone to, like, get smashed and then to mail back to Jerry. Yeah, until after the break. I mean, after the middle of the episode when Leo, when the explosion happens, and then that's when Jerry has the, when he's opening the box finally after that first Hulu commercial break, um, or the middle break anyway. So I feel like, I mean, that does happen, but it's such a, it's like the sea story again to me. You know, I mean, Elaine and the rash is one thing. George and the Photoshop is the other thing. And then I feel like Elaine and the rash is really the the A story here. Oh, it is. But oh, my God. None of the none of the storylines jump out as being the A storyline. They're all B stories. Yeah, yeah. They're B grade stories, but they do spend more time on one than the others. Yeah. Uh, So, I I mean, would you how would you feel about just scrapping it all together and getting rid of? (laughs) you know that and then just changing it to and george flirting with the photoshop person is more of a plot point than the stereo too i feel like um what okay so should we just do something like elaine uh elaine's elaine elaine tries to receive medical care for a rash Mm -hmm. but can we make it even more just more about the file like um Mm. uh elaine's ah man well, I'm having so so much trouble thinking right now. I think one reason is I definitely hear somebody screaming outside the bedroom door. Nice. There's definitely some discipline happening. Nice. I'm writing difficult in both my kids' files. <laughs> difficult, difficult. Um, okay, so uh, how about Elaine's file prevents her... What, what about just Elaine is not happy with her medical file? Um, that's not bad. What about um like every doctor like this is uh, this is just a jumping off point but it's like every doctor has heard the same thing about Elaine like Elaine's file prevents her from getting medical attention seen. but that's so long uh, Elaine Elaine's medical file prevents her from being seen that makes it sound like she became invisible <laughs> <laughs> oh but wait okay no doctor will see Elaine <laughs> that sounds weird. <laughs> That sounds like she's invisible only to doctors. They, they they walk into all of her appointments just covering up their eyes. <laughs> yeah. They walk in they're like, uh, nurse, there's no one on the table. Like, what are you talking about, doctor? There's a woman right there. Well, I can't see her. No doctor can see Elaine. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
All right, let me see. Uh, let me see. I don't know. Way. Not not only not only does the given description suck, but like there's no really good things that are jumping out. Yeah, uh, I mean, just like an easy thing would be like like George flirts with a Photoshop clerk. Like that's super easy. Yeah. But just because it's easy, does that um, mean it's good? <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Kramer. I mean, Kramer helps thinks he's helping George and Jerry. So. Like, there's got to be something there where we can tie all that together. Like, Kramer helps George, you know, uh, Kramer helps George flirt with a photo clerk and Jerry with his stereo or something like that, you know? Yeah, why not add broken stereo in there? Because it, yeah. it's broken from the very beginning. I don't mind that. Yeah, Kramer so helps George flirt with a photo clerk and and Jerry with his broken stereo. Helps George flirt with a photo clerk and Jerry. I think we need a verb there just to make it. You know, helps George flirt because then it sounds like Jerry is flirting with his stereo, broken stereo. You know, Kramer helped <laughs> George flirt with his with a Photoshop clerk and Jerry with his broken stereo. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. The verb sort of yeah. So Kramer helps Would George you... flirt with a photo clerk and gets Jerry a refund for his stereo or something like that. And help George flirt with a Photoshop clerk and Jerry. I mean, not fix his broken stereo because that's not what he wants to do. This is a and tough one. What about re like refunded? Helps George flirt with a Photoshop clerk and Jerry get refunded for his broken stereo. Yeah, yeah, okay. that works. I think I think that's good. Okay. So Kramer helps George flirt with a Photoshop or photo clerk and Jerry get refunded for his broken stereo. Yes. It, it's long, but I think we covered a lot of bases that are fine. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, next week we've got season eight, episode six, The Fatigues. Uh, original air date, October 31st, 1996, Halloween. Um, in Showtime, this episode comes two weeks later, and if you're looking in TV Guide the night of Halloween 1996, you are going to see Jerry's new girlfriend has a mentor, semicolon, Elaine must fire a troubled employee. Hmm. Okay. A nice long description there. I like <laughs> it. I can't say that it rings a bell, but I can say that The Package is another episode that I liked talking about better than watching. How did you feel I, about it? I was going to say the same thing. Like, I, I liked the the jerry and like the newman storyline yeah i couldn't find myself to care about the elaine storyline the the george timeless art of seduction i didn't know that was from this episode that that is one of the references i did know of um, oh yeah a, a poster second only to the kramer as far as you know yeah one of the most oh, famous God, images yeah. yeah uh actually i think it is uh wow we're giving them two plugs in one episode this is a poster that the downvoter had in college ah, the timeless art of seduction yeah wow but um so I, like i i i know the reference from that but i didn't know it was this episode yeah yeah so it gives us some you know it gives us that it gives us the write-off sequence that a lot of people love uh but it it, it as a whole i, I don't know it, it it was just okay it's but a I, very meh episode yeah it was very run-of-the-mill very middle of the road and like i said it falls apart at the end and that that's a detriment to it and so you know, again, if like you wanted so to start somebody on a very elementary level of Seinfeld, like this would be a good one to do it on. Like, yeah, you see, it's kind of zany and all the stories connect. And um, but as far as uh, a top fiver, I'm not feeling it. All right. Is that it? I think that's it. All right. For No Hugging, No Learning, I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hollowell. Be good. Be good.